The second reading is from the book of Isaiah, chapter 11, reading from verses 1 to 11. And in your pew Bibles, that's on page 690. A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots a branch will bear fruit. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and of understanding, the spirit of counsel and of might, the spirit of the knowledge and fear of the Lord, and he will delight in the fear of the Lord. He will not judge by what he sees with his eyes or decide by what he hears with his ears, but with righteousness he will judge the needy With justice he will give decisions for the poor of the earth. He will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth. With the breath of his lips he will slay the wicked. Righteousness will be his belt and faithfulness the sash around his waist. The wolf will live with the lamb. The leopard will lie down with the goat. The calf and the lion and the yearling together and a little child will lead them. The cow will feed with the bear, their young will lie down together, and the lion will eat straw like the ox. The infant will play near the cobra's den, and the young child will put its hand into the viper's nest. They will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord, as the waters cover the sea. In that day, the root of Jesse will stand as a banner for the peoples. The nations will rally to him, and his resting place will be glorious. In that day, the Lord will reach out his hand a second time to reclaim the surviving remnant of his people from Assyria, from Lower Egypt, from Upper Egypt, from Cush, from Elam, from Babylonia, from Hamath and from the islands of the Mediterranean. This is the word of the Lord. Be to God. Well, welcome to week two of Advent and our series A New World Coming as we look at some passages in Isaiah where the prophet paints this picture of a beautiful new world that's on its way. Now, last week we looked at Isaiah 2 and uh, the main theme there was world peace. Uh, That powerful verse 4 that says, They will beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will not take up sword against nation, nor will they train for war anymore. Well, that theme of world peace actually continues today into chapter 11. And here the prophet uses the metaphor of the animal world. So he chooses a number of animals where one is strong and the other is weak, where one is the hunter and the other one is the hunted, where one is prey for the other and therefore there's fear, uh, especially if you're you're the one uh, being hunted. But Isaiah pictures these animals now living in harmony, now living without fear, living in peace. And so in verse 6, he commences and talks about the wolf living with the lamb. Can you picture that? 
that's coming up. Uh, but all of these animals, if you're looking at it in your Bibles there, verse 6, the wolf lives with the lamb, the leopard will lie down with the goat, the calf and the lion will be getting on with each other, a cow will feed with a bear. And what's more, one of the most vulnerable of human beings, a little child, will be seen to be completely safe amongst these animals. In fact, will lead these animals, we're told there in verse 6. And in verse 8, a child will be quite safe playing with snakes. Uh, the infant will play near the cobra's den. The young child will put his hand into the viper's nest. Well, it's hard to imagine that, isn't it, And uh, for it to be safe. Just as it's hard to imagine a world where countries don't devour one another. Can you imagine a world where countries are always looking out for the interests of other countries rather than their own self-interest? Can you imagine a world like that? Uh, Isaiah can. Because the picture Isaiah is giving here is where former enemies are now living in peace. Where the hunted and the, hunt, the, hunter and the hunted uh, come together in reconciliation. And so this is a beautiful picture of a new world which is coming. Now Isaiah goes into a lot more detail about how this world peace might happen than what uh, we looked at last week in chapter 2. Here he introduces this godly figure who's going to come and set everything right. He's not named as such, but this, of course, is the Messiah. And it's consistent with the character he's been introducing to us already in his prophecy. So in chapter 2, he did talk about someone called the person who will come and judge between the nations. In chapter 7, Emmanuel, God with us. In chapter 9, to us a son is... Sorry, to us a child is born... To us a son is given and the government will be on his shoulders. Very familiar passages in the season of Advent. And they of course point to the Messiah, God's anointed servant who will bring God's salvation and God's peace. And here in chapter 11, this Messiah is described as a shoot from the stump of Jesse. Now, Jesse was King David's father, so this points to the fact that the Messiah will come from the family line of David. It points to the fact that this Messiah will be a king, a king like David. The stump, well, that's the nation of Judah, and it's a picture of a nation that's been cut down. It's a picture of God's people defeated and in exile. It's a picture of God's judgment on the nation for its sin. But it's not just... God's people who are judged, it's all the nations. Uh, if you look at the previous chapter there in chapter 10 at the end, uh, you'll see the other nations also will come under judgment uh, for their sin. And Isaiah uses a similar image with them in verses 33 and 34. He says, See, the Lord Almighty will lop off the boughs with great power, the lofty trees will be felled, the tall ones will be brought low. He will cut down the forest thickets with an axe. Lebanon will fall before the mighty one. And so God's people are judged and cut off. The pagan nations are also judged and cut off, and especially Assyria. Uh, but a whole list of them there in chapter 10. But there's one enormous difference between Judah and Assyria. Assyria is felled never to rise again. Judah is felled to have a new life emerge from its stump. 
a shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. And this Messiah will be like the son of Jesse, like David, and yet in every way superior to David. Now, I want you to think for a moment, what makes a great leader? And who is the leader who can bring peace for a nation? I want to suggest two qualities are essential for this type of leader. They have to be just, but they also have to be powerful. And you need both. You can't have peace without both. If a leader is powerful but without justice, then they're just an autocrat or a dictator. Someone like Vladimir Putin or Joseph Stalin or Mao Dung or Adolf Hitler. Powerful men with no sense of justice are just plain scary, aren't they? And history is littered with them and the havoc they cause. On the other hand, you can have a strong sense of justice but not be powerful. Then you're not in a position to see justice done. And once again, this is not what makes for peace, not at least in the immediate term. And so I think of people like Francis of Assisi or Dietrich Bonhoeffer or Aung San Suu Kyi in Burma. All these leaders have strong justice credentials but no political power and so they're unable to bring about peace in their uh, situation. Now how wonderful a thing then that the shoot from the stump of Jesse will rule powerfully and with justice. Isaiah chapter 11 presents us with that sort of leader. And so this person will be filled with the Holy Spirit in verse 2 there. Delighting in the fear of the Lord in verse 3. Judging with righteousness for the poor of the earth in verses 3 and 4. Powerfully bringing together former enemies in verses 6 to 9. The image of the animals. And able to save a remnant of Judah and also attract Gentiles in verses 10 and 11. So I want to look in more detail at those qualities, but in terms of these two great leadership qualities of power and justice. This Messiah, this shoot from the stump of Jesse, will be powerful because the Holy Spirit will rest upon him, verse 2. And specifically, I want to highlight there that it's a spirit of counsel and of might. Now, this is an image of war, seeking counsel on the best strategy for overcoming the enemy, exercising military might then in winning the victory. But we're talking here, of course, about a spiritual battle because we know uh, Jesus' strategy was the cross. Jesus' strategy was weakness that in the end was strength. It's at the cross that Jesus wins complete victory over Satan and all the forces of evil. That was his strategy. And it was God's strategy to use that weakness uh, to win the victory. So this is Jesus showing clearly the spirit of counsel and of might, but in God's way. He had that spirit, the Holy Spirit upon him, enabling him for all of his ministry, but especially his death and resurrection. Uh, Next, if you look at the last part of verse 4, it says, He will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth, and with the breath of his lips he will slay the wicked. Was that powerful enough for you? (laughs) 
Well, be grateful that the context here is justice. If you look at the whole of verse 4, with righteousness he will judge the needy, with justice he will give decisions for the poor of the earth. Verse 4 should fill us with great comfort because, yes, this is a powerful Messiah but also a just Messiah. And because he is just, his just judgment will be enforced. There will be no legal tricks, no bribes or political manoeuvring or ability to get out of jail. As often we see in the world, people manoeuvre the system. No, before this judge who is just and powerful, the wicked will not escape. The judgment will stick. This is a powerful Messiah. And then finally, look at the outcome. Look at what this Messiah is capable of achieving in verses 6 to 9. The picture of the animals living in harmony. This is a picture of creation restored, reconciliation and peace. He must be a powerful Messiah to be able to achieve that. And not only that, but in verse 11, he will reach out his hand to the Jewish people living in exile in the neighbouring countries and he will bring them back from exile and restore them in the land. And in verse 10, the nations will rally to him as well. This Messiah will be able to speak into every culture, every ethnic grouping, every nation. So make no mistake, this Messiah qualifies as a very powerful figure. And my friends, we need a powerful Messiah who can make justice stick. Because we live in a world where there is often little justice. Little justice uh, for the Ukrainian people with Russian missiles raining down upon them. Little justice for the people of Burma subjected to a brutal military regime. Little justice for the Uyghur people Uh, Muslim majority there in China, Uh, Muslim minority, I should say, in China. Uh, We can be grateful for our justice system in Australia. For the most part, I have confidence in it, believe it it works. However, we know they don't always get it right. Juries have been known to err. Judges' rulings have been challenged. And most recently and disturbingly, uh, the reliability of police evidence in our own Queensland courts has been questioned. Uh, I'm sure you've been following it in the news. And I read this piece in The Australian this week where it said, Doubt has been cast over more than 1,000 Queensland criminal cases after forensic scientists at the government-run DNA laboratory made false statements in court for the past five years. Retired Court of Appeal President Walter Sofronoff, who is overseeing a Royal Commission-style inquiry into the lab, made interim findings that scientists had made untrue statements to courts, prosecutors and victims of crime since early 2018. Quite worrying, isn't it? Isn't it good to know, though, there's a day coming... And all those big problems out there in the world, all of our problems in this land, there is a day coming when there will be complete justice, a new world. In uh, verse 3, this Messiah will come and judge justly. It says there, will, he will not judge by what he sees with his eyes or decide by what he hears with his ears, but with righteousness he will judge the needy with justice. He will give decisions for the poor of the earth. And isn't that what we see Jesus doing when he comes to this earth? Um, 
he sees into people's minds and hearts and his judgment is perfect. And my mind can't help but uh, go to that woman caught in adultery, uh, about to be stoned. And Jesus puts his finger on the sin of the accusers, doesn't he? And he shows up their hypocrisy. He shows compassion to this woman as a victim. But then he still sends her off with the words, go and sin no more. (laughs) This is the mind and heart of a completely just judge who saw the situation perfectly and judged justly. Imagine what it will be like with these sort of judgments when they're made in every messy, confused, sin-stained human relationship. And Jesus comes and sorts it out. His judgment will be just. Uh, Verse 9, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. It's going to be a beautiful day. So Isaiah 11 points us to this Messiah who will rule over this new world which is coming. But it talks about it in two stages. And in Advent, we especially think about the two stages of this coming of the Messiah. And it's hinted at here in Isaiah 11. Uh, The beginning of the passage there, the shoot from the stump of Jesse, to me, speaks of a very fragile beginning. You know, when the shoot first emerges, very fragile, a new life emerging out of the old. And to me, it's a, a powerful image of the babe of Bethlehem, so fragile, yet so full of hope. And so Christ's first coming in that vulnerable state. When Jesus is an adult, the spirit of the Lord is upon him, isn't it? Verse 2, spirit of wisdom and understanding, counsel and might, knowledge and fear of the Lord, all those things so true of Jesus. Then there's the justice uh, spoken about in verses 3 to 5. And verse 5, we recognize Jesus is the one who has righteousness as his belt and faithfulness as the sash around his waist executing God's justice in all his interactions. And in so many ways, the gospel accounts uh, show us the fulfillment of this prophecy of Isaiah 11. However, there is so much more still to be fulfilled, isn't there? And that will only be when the Messiah returns. As Jesus promised, there would be a second coming, a second advent. And only then will we see the final judgment and complete justice for those who've been trampled in this life. And only then will we see the lamb lying down with the wolf and true peace. Now, in the meantime, we are called to work towards that kingdom that's coming. As Jesus taught us, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's how we're to pray. And so followers of Jesus are kingdom people praying for the kingdom and working for the kingdom now. And this means working for justice standing up for those who are unfairly treated in our world. One organisation Linda and I uh, support is the Barnabas Fund and it works to support persecuted Christians around the world. And recently we were praying for five Christians in Iran who were arrested because of their faith. This is their story. It says, Pastor uh, Joseph Shabazian And four Christian women from a Muslim background have lost their appeals against jail terms and fines imposed because of their involvement in house churches in Iran. Pastor Shabazian, an Iranian Armenian, 
was sentenced to 10 years in jail, while converts Mina and Mali uh, were ordered to serve six years. Masume and her daughter Sonia were issued with fines. Pray that all five Christians trust in their Lord will be constant and even grow stronger despite the rejection of their cases by the appeal court. So many cases in our world of incredible injustice. Locally, uh, we're trying to do something here about homelessness. Some people have expressed special concern for older women who have limited financial means and finding that the increase in rents means they can no longer afford it. They no longer have a roof over their heads. I have a personal concern for those on low wages. I think there's something wrong when a minimum wage in our country is not enough to be able to afford a roof over your head. There are greater minds than mine that need to work out the structural problems in our economy that can fix that. Uh, But we as Christians need to do whatever we can with the influence we have. Uh, We need to take an interest. We need to pray for those who are in need and work towards solutions, and that's what we're trying to do. So these are some of the practical ways we can be looking out for the poor of the earth and putting Isaiah 11 into practice. It's about doing what Jesus did when he was on this earth, uh, caring for the poor and those on the margins. And so we're not only to pray your kingdom come, but we're to work towards it. We know in the end it will only happen when the Messiah returns. And that should give us confidence and not to lose heart. On that great day, Jesus will usher in the new world of his kingdom. And it will be a kingdom of power and justice. A remnant of Judah will be saved. A remnant of the nations will rally to him. The lamb will lie down with the wolf. And on God's terms, with Jesus reigning as king in his kingdom, there will be perfect peace. So come, Lord Jesus, come.